episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. Uh, you got snow on the ground. So, I, I mean, it's here. Those cold northern winds are here. And if you're feeling the shiveries as we speak inside your house, you know what time it is. It's time to talk to your local Pella, Omaha, and Lincoln expert about taking a closer look at your windows. And save energy, stay warm with windows from Pella that are properly installed the patented Pella way by professionals using window and doors with the highest energy efficiency ratings in the industry from Energy Star. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by my, my pals from Runza. You know, when the weather turns and it gets a little chilly outside, it gets a little cold outside, I just feel like it makes sense to get your chili and cinnamon rolls game right, right? I mean, it's the best sweet and spicy combination to hit the Midwest since, oh, I don't know, Irving Fryer, Mike Rogier, Turner Gill, Mike Rogier, uh, uh, T. Frazier, and Lawrence Phillips. I mean, come on. It's just an incredible combination. You can dip the cinnamon rolls in the chili. Oh, it's just so good. Make sure you get out to Runza and get your chili and cinnamon rolls. Runza makes it all better. All right. Uh, apologize for being a little bit tardy and uh, getting this recap pod out to you guys. It was called a Michigan State basketball game on Sunday. Uh, so I was traveling all day on Saturday, didn't get to watch the game live, and then couldn't record on Sunday. So I was able to, to watch the game on Sunday night and then uh, record with uh, Bo Robert Rude on Monday. So uh, better late than never. Without further ado, certainly a lot to talk about after a, a tough loss to the Gophers. It's a Nebraska, Minnesota Husker recap pod. Yours truly, Bo Root, breaking it down. Enjoy. All right, here we are. Another recap pod. Apologize for everyone uh, refreshing their podcast feed. Where's it at, man? What's going on? I was, uh, I had some college basketball duties. I talked to your, I had a Zoom call with Tom Izzo. Ooh, nice. How amazing is that? That's pretty Sometimes, cool. Sometimes, I'm not going to lie, like, I don't want to be, like, super cheesy. Like, you know, I'm really blessed in a variety of ways. But there are times that I think about, like, I've, like, I've had numerous conversations, like, face-to-face with Patrick Ewing. Yeah. It's like, that's that's crazy to me. And then, like, I had a 30-minute Zoom call last Friday with Tom Izzo. Because I then I did a Michigan State game on Sunday. It's like, and their pump-up video... For the game, I mean, it's like when your pump-up video has like Magic Johnson and all. You're like, wow, it was yeah. it was sweet. But so I was traveling all day yesterday, and so we didn't get a chance to sit so down. You're, are you calling Michigan State game? I'm assuming. Well, I called it on Sunday. Oh, okay. I was there, and so I've tr- I've, I I tried. So we're recording this on a Monday. I flew back from, uh, I flew out of Detroit. So I was flying back yesterday after the game. It was an afternoon game. So that's why we have not. Done the recap pod. So you've had, as, has it helped to have not one, but two days to sleep on? on oh, your yeah. Thoughts yeah. On I this mean, game? Saturday afternoon would have been a bad time to recap. The, bud, the blood was boiling a little uh, bit. And I think having a couple days to, to digest and it, to cool it off a little bit helps. So I've now had, because of college basketball stuff, two straight games that I didn't watch live, knew the outcome digested little tidbits on like okay what happened here they had a holding on this plate like and then you go rewatch it and sometimes you brace yourself it's like well that wasn't as bad as i thought it was Th- this game felt like it was there were some moments where like i couldn't imagine what it was like to experience it in real time i think we do we frame the game to kind of start let's frame it heading in yeah so Probably what's most disappointing about this game is not just necessarily the way we lost it. I think it's more what this game meant for this season and going into next the, season. The, what's amazing is, and it's kind of weird how you never want to put too much stock into one game either way, but to me it's amazing how much the outcome of this game greatly shaped and set the the tone for a lot of things with this program you had an opportunity we were just talking before we turn on the mics like there was a real opportunity here you just played well you'd really played well for two straight weeks well in air quotes here relatively speaking you played well at Iowa had a chance to win you played well against Purdue you win you had a you had a chance here to beat Minnesota become bowl eligible you go to third place in the west which is a little bit more respectable 
You then are going to have an opportunity opportunity in this championship weekend, depending on who you would have played, to win another game. I'm not mm-hmm. saying it would have for sure happened, but you you were going to be afforded another opportunity to now win three games in a row and then get a, a bowl bid. And who knows? I mean, maybe maybe you go swing away and you win that game. I'm just I'm not saying this is likely because it, they didn't even win against Minnesota, but you are looking at a scenario where, like, tell you what, man, Nebraska could they beat Minnesota? They earn a bowl bid. They then give themselves an opportunity to realistically build momentum, something this program has not had in a long time, and win four games in a row. And now now you kind of go into the next season going like, you know what, man. Started against Ohio State. It was a pandemic. They they figured it out. At the end of the year, they played well. And and that was the one side of it. And the other side of it now is it feels like all the old talking points are ramped back up. Yeah. And it feels like this program slid uh, under the microscope and everyone's kind of scratching their head again. Yeah. I, I, the hard part is this. You look around the league and you might say, well, why would we be so excited about, you know, three or four wins? Like, why is that? Because most of this league is stuck at two or three wins. Yes. It's been a crazy year. Outside got, of Indiana, Northwestern, and Ohio State, everyone has been and, on the struggle bus. And now Iowa's kind of picked it up after starting 0-2. Right. They've won out, which is kudos for them. But everybody else has kind of been as bad or worse than we have been. Right. And this was our opportunity to, in one game, basically leapfrog them all. Right. And even though it's not that many wins, in the, the final standings, we could have got up to four wins and finished like fourth or fifth, right? Yes. So that alone, it, it just kind of puts you in a better trajectory than bottom feeder. And that's where we're hanging out now is with the bottom feeders. And I don't like that. No. And so that's what – so that's kind of what is at stake Potentially with this game. And then you think about your specific opponent. Yeah. Minnesota really had not had a good year at all. They hadn't played in three weeks. They had not played in three weeks. Minnesota was out a reported 33 players with either injuries, COVID, opting out. They were reportedly down a few starting offensive linemen. They only had four. This is according to a tweet from Bruce Feldman. They only had four defensive tackles. They only had two deep, how, two tight how ends. How many total starters were That's what I don't know. Because It seemed like they looked like they were pretty good straight. Like you look because around, some of that stuff can be misleading. You know, like yeah. they're down 33 players. It's like, well, are they down uh, 33 Rudies? Yeah, I mean, you know, to like, me, it's like they looked like they were the players they had were pretty good. But nevertheless, like, you hadn't played in three weeks, and, yeah. you know... They're they fresh, but maybe rusty. Yes. And then you think about the fact that Minnesota came into the game with an atrocious defense. Like, mm-hmm. the Minnesota was giving up 35 points per game. They were 111th in the country in rush defense. They were giving up about 215 yards a game on the ground. They are one of the worst defenses in the country... And then you think about the fact, like we said, it's senior day for Nebraska, bull bit on the line, trying to like, trying to build some momentum. So you kind of felt like things were shaping up for a decent day for Nebraska. In fact, Nebraska was again a double-digit favorite at home, like they were against Illinois, according to Vegas. And so you just for, you kind of had all of these things working kind of for you, and all that was on the line, and you go out there and things don't go well for you. Well, you know, to start the game out, Scott Frost takes the ball. And yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I'm not against that sort of confidence. But with a windy day, sometimes cold and windy, it's almost, to me, it might be better to start out on defense. Um, but anyway, if you take the ball, that means you, you really have an intention to, like, to do something Shut, with yeah, it. Yeah, like and set we, the tone. And we start out with yes. a neg- the negative play where we throw it backwards again. and. I don't care what anybody says. Like the fact that we've done that before and cost us a game, and we start out that way, it put a big fat just sort of, you know, here we go again. Sigh on our yeah. whole well, offensive confidence. Yes. Okay. So here, so because that's the first one. I wrote down last night. So I watched the game at the Detroit airport, and then I wrote down a bunch of stuff on the flight home. And you didn't even know where to begin with this game, so I decided I was going to write down all of the biggest plays, moments, or sequences of the game. And it ended up just being 10. 
I didn't know if it would get. It's nice when it's at that tent, but it ended up being. So here, to kind of recap the game, here are the 10 biggest plays, moments, sequences of the game. You just hit on it. The very first play of the game, an errant swing pass. You lose nine yards, and even though at some point during the game Nebraska recovered, it sets a tone. It sets a tone. You can't tell me everybody wasn't sitting there watching that going, oh, God, it's going to be one of those days again, huh? Mm -hmm. Especially off the heels of what you said, instead of deferring and, and, and you know getting the ball to start the second half, you take the ball. And immediately the whole reason you take the ball is, is shot. I don't, and what's hard about it is I don't want to sit there and like, I don't hate the play call necessarily. I don't know where, but I don't love it. It's just, we can't, uh, we, no matter what, we can't do the same thing we did against Illinois. Like basically two games later, like you just cannot do that. Um, because that was such a crushing moment for us. I feel like the only thing you can't do is throw swing passes for fumbles. It's the only thing you can't do. Other than that, you can hand the ball off and get stuffed. It doesn't matter. I think what you can't do is like lose yards or turn the ball over on those kind of plays. Right. First, the first play of the game. And you just and, – and you think – I talked about how they were 111th in the rush defense. You kind of figured they would come out and like try to establish like, hey, let's just run it right at them, you mm-hmm. know. And that didn't happen. So that's the fir- that first play of the game set the tone. The next big sequence, and this is as big of an indictment, if you want to criticize Scott Frost and his decision-making or management or whatever, to me, this is the sequence. So Adrian Martinez gets banged up. Like, I don't know, it looked like he hurt his, like, left finger or uh, his hand or something. Luke McCaffrey comes in cold on a cold day, on a cold, windy day. Luke McCaffrey comes in and throws the ball not once but twice. The first pass was like almost intercepted and not a good throw. And then the second pass is intercepted, which then in in tune sets up good field position for Minnesota where four plays later they score on fourth and one. I just don't understand when you bring in anybody cold at, at the quarterback spot. I don't care if even if it's a if you're bringing in a in, when was Tom Brady at Michigan? 98 90, or something. Eight? Yeah. I don't even care if you're bringing in Brady. Like, you maybe want to, like, hey, let's bring in Brady. He's cold. Let's let's hand it off a few times, yeah. right? That's for a guy that can pass. What does Luke do best? Runs he the runs the ball. How Bringing in Luke and throwing the ball twice is just, like, I don't understand. And, and it's not necessarily being Monday morning quarterback and, and deciding after the fact – I thought even in the moment you're like, wow, throwing it? Why would I just figured you'd bring him in and run him twice or run it with Mills twice? Yeah, I like the idea of um, of running to start out and then maybe a run with a or a a, a play action where it gets him like an easy, you know, you're rolling on right. a boot. Right. Here's it's, Austin it's a, Allen. It's or a it, dump yeah. that's not a like you know yes. throw it in traffic and instead we drop back. Um, which, you know, Luke, I, I still, you know, he's still young and developing as a quarterback where I don't know how comfortable he looks just dropping back in the pocket, throwing it. And, you know, he, he misses his target, and Allen tips it up to the guy. I mean, it's just it's frustrating that you start the game out that way when that's just the only thing we couldn't do against this team. Yes, so it gets, it gets Minnesota, who couldn't have been in a great place mentally. You know, I mean, like, they haven't had a great year. Again, they've been on pause for three weeks, haven't played in three weeks, all that stuff. You know, and, like, you get them. They were going after the first the, two drives. They the were for drives, sure were going. Good. So now it's 7 nothing. That was the second big kind of sequence. The next big sequence is Nebraska's eight-yard shanked punt. Where, again, for the most part, punting's been a little bit better this year. It still isn't Darren Erstad style or anything like that, but it's been a little bit better. But you get an eight-yard shanked punt, which gives Minnesota excellent field position. And then on that drive, Nebraska gets Minnesota to third and 10 and gives up a first down, which ultimately ends in Minnesota kicking a field goal. 
So now a Luke McCaffrey interception, which I think shaky decision-making that led to that, and then a shanked punt, so bad special teams, on some level leads to a 10-0 hole. Like, so you just are instantly, right away, first quarter, you're down 10 nothing. You're, you're already a team that is fragile to begin with. You're fragile. Minnesota's feeling better about themselves. Yeah. Brutal. I mean, just brutal. Then after two good scoring drives for Nebraska, because that's what's kind of hard about this is like they recovered kind of. Well, and that's something that they they've done better this year is they they'll they can bounce back um, in ways they don't think they did even last year the year before. I think last year they really would if it was an off day they were they were going to really always bad. be yeah. off. They at least they find moments now where that's they'll. So it's like I would call it. Th- it's about three drives a game where you're like, whoa, where everything's clicking. And it looks good, um, and then there's probably I don't know seven others that usually because how many I don't even know how, how many total drives I'm a team sure. usually has. Call down. it ten, right? Yeah. And seven of the ten are usually just like it all doesn't seem to go. But we we have about three drives where it doesn't just go. It goes. Fantastic. Yeah. The, you, Nebraska marches down the field and it ends in a perfect play action touchdown pass to Austin Allen. And then they have another touchdown drive that ends in the in a Martinez good touchdown run. And so Nebraska then takes the lead. Yeah. Takes you know, the lead and there's it's a... It's 14-10. What, was there two minutes to go in the half? About, oh, yeah, like I think it was three-something. Three-something, so okay. That. And then, then two huge plays happen on the ensuing Minnesota drive. The first one was the long – I think it was the first play on Minnesota's drive. Yeah. They get the long run down the sideline where I thought homeboy was going to score, but Nebraska catches him. So they, they have a long run down the Minnesota sideline all the way deep into Nebraska territory. Real quick, what happened on that play? Yeah, we just got out of our gap. I mean, we I think we were, like, slightly outflanked. We weren't in the best position. They, they, they had a good – like, it was a good play call. They were running that weak side against us, and – uh, we just got a little bit out of position in one of our gaps. And, you know, it's like, it, but once again, like, timely, timely mistake on the D. De- I mean, the defense did a pretty good job up to that point where, you know, the, they scored in the fourth and one, but we held them. Right. And they have to score in the fourth and one touchdown. And then this one, like, they've, they've done a good job the whole second quarter. And then they give up that. Because that's what's hard. Because, like, all their, again, like I said, their ten, the 10 points they've given up were all kind of like, it's a Mart- uh, McCaffrey pick sets up yeah. good field position and eight yard shank punt puts your in good you know bad field position like so it was all things that they kind of were dealt a shitty hand yeah and they gave up points and so they had been solid and all of a sudden boom they popped this long run yeah that was a, that was a timely critical error because that them getting down the red zone led to something else well so because that's the thing is then, then Nebraska gets a stop. Third and 14, good pass coverage. The quarterback has to scramble. Cam Taylor Britt targeting. Well, no, here, here's what we should say. Quarterback drops back, scrambles, runs, goes for the first down, gets tackled, gets up. Uh, everybody's going on to the fourth down. And somebody in the booth decides, because in the replay their helmets touch, we should review this for targeting. Right. Nobody in the field called the targeting. And... We get that's one I will say those kind of plays got to go from college football. Like those kind of penalties when an offensive guy is running the ball at you and is not sliding and you get your head across, but your helmets touch when he ducks into you. Right. That can't be a penalty anymore. You can't call a penalty if the offensive guy is not defenseless. If he is running into you, how can it be targeting? I'm totally with you. I, I mean, we've been over how much I can't stand the way I get targeting having to be a part of the game just from the standpoint of, like, the long the longevity of, like, keeping football as safe as possible so it'll continue to be a sport. But at the same time, I think there needs to be degrees. There needs to be yes. uh, yeah, yeah. judgment. There, I don't think you can, you can paint with a broad brush with targeting. I think, like, a wide receiver – being defenseless and getting hit is way different than a ball carrier running yeah. and not sliding. But with all that said, because I'm totally with you. Yeah, we get a penalty call. Yeah. With all that said, though, at some point, like, I'd have to imagine, and I don't know this to be true, I'd have to imagine Nebraska's led the Big Ten in targeting. 
I don't know. I, I don't know. They've had five, five or seven targeting. They've had a couple of picked up, you know, like not ejected or whatever. But like at some point, like because I'm totally with you, but also at some point, like you got to adjust. You got to adjust. But Nick, I, I, I don't know that I have seen an atrocious targeting this year. Right. Like a, a real like launch spear situation. I've seen a lot of really touchy calls that people are running into you. And I don't know what you're supposed to do. I, I'm just saying, like, I look back at everybody I played with and myself, and I'm like, how many, how many dozens times would you have been ejected? How many dozens of targetings would I have? I, I hit the quarterback in the head on blitzes 10-plus times. Right. And I, you never had to think about it. I mean, maybe I would have changed what I did and just not well, touched that's, that's anybody. That's what I'm getting at. Like, what's hard is, like, I completely agree with what you're saying, but I also feel like these, this is a rule – and Nebraska seems to break this rule, however much you want to explain it, because I'm with you. Like, you think about the targetings at Ohio State and all this stuff. Like, they're all kind of like, come on, man. I think like, every I think everybody's getting those. I don't know that we're more than, than most. I think those are truly just like, does the ref want to, in the circumstance, do they want to be jerks about it? Because they could have called Henrich later in the game on one. Right. They could they could have called Reimer on one. Because their helmets hit. Right. So I just don't, yeah, if the rule is based on your helmet hits somebody else then, and they don't have to be defenseless, right. then that means all those plays are under review. And that was an arbitrary decision that because, uh, you know, the booth saw it in time, they're like, well, that, that, they heads touched. Right. But it wasn't the normal circumstances for a targeting. But, okay, so in any event, huge play. Because it's, a, it's like a triple whammy. I mean, it's, Nebraska was it was third and fourteen. They had to stop, yep. right? It keeps the drive alive. It's half the distance to the goal, so now the ball gets moved to the seven yard line. And Cam Taylor, who's who's in my opinion your best defensive back, yeah, he is, is ejected. So it's like disaster. And then Minnesota scores two plays later to go ahead seventeen to fourteen. Yeah. So you would kind of like. You had kind of regained your composure. You had you had kind of rallied back. You're up 14-10. You give up the long run. Then you get the Can Taylor Brett targeting. Before you know it, you're you're down 17 to 14. Yeah, I mean that and that's just one of those where it's a it's a seven point swing, uh, you know, in their favor. I mean four points if they make their field sure, goal, which you don't. Know. But but it gives you the lead at halftime versus them the lead and the momentum. I mean, I, I think that's huge. Important. I think, and that's one where like. Sometimes I make excuses for for things. Yeah, we this play the one, if but game. This yeah. one I'll give the excuse to Nebraska that they didn't deserve that. Um, what they got for their other mistakes, they deserve. Right. This is one they didn't. So I always like to clarify which ones I can make excuses. For. <laughs> this one well, I will make an excuse because that's one I'm like, when a guy plays good football and gets penalized for it, uh, I'm going to defend that. I included this next one in terms of my top 10, my 10 biggest moments, sequences, plays, moments of the game here. Martinez missed a lot of guys. M missed yes. a lot of guys. He had guys open. Yep. And I, you know, there was a bunch of, I could have chose, there was, he missed Wandale for a touchdown, but then he ended up scoring on a rushing touchdown. So it, it ends up kind of being, well, whatever. The final drive of the half, Martinez has Oliver Martin open down the sideline in front of the Nebraska and on the Nebraska sideline. He's open. Bo. Streaking. Yeah. Streaking. He would have caught the ball at like the, the Minnesota 40 or 35 yard line. And he probably, if he catches it in stride, he maybe gets a couple more. I mean, he would, this game he's running. Yeah. He's running. He would have got down to, to a potential field goal range. Yeah. Or who knows what happens. But I think a part of one of the themes of this game was Martinez missing wide receivers. Down the field, down specifically. the field, and this—I I feel like I had to choose one of them, and this felt like you could have gotten point. You had so if if Nebraska hits Martin, if if Martinez hits Martin in stride, they're going to get the ball down to the Minnesota 35, 40, 30 yard line with timeouts left, and you have a chance for points, but because all that's gone because of an errant throw, so now. You in the half down 17 14 when who knows you could have tied it at 17 you could have hell you maybe even could have scored to go ahead I, ha I feel like I had to choose one throw that that felt like that's a, I mean Martin's open yeah I think uh, if I remember right 
the one to Martin was probably the most glaring. There was an Austin Allen where he was yes he was there. The Wandale um, those stand out. But this has been a theme for Martinez uh, the last two years, I'd say. Um, I remember with Purdue and some of these other like he he's really struggled with his touch. Yeah, he throws a pretty ball. He's got a strong arm. Um, his accuracy in his short throws has been better, but he still has had trouble dropping the ball over the top. Right, right. Pl- throwing it into, you know, you get like a cover two look, and he's got to drop it into a window 25, 30 yards down the field. Yeah. He really struggles with that. Martin was open another time on like a, yeah. a, a, a one of those where he yes, ran the little down corner. the Minnesota sideline, yeah. And he, he, he struggles. He's been struggling dropping that ball over the top, um, and I'm not sure exactly why that is, why that's been his weakness. But that's that's a – I don't want to put that all on the receivers. I think that's on him. He's got to throw it to these guys these when they're open. These guys are open, right? Man. Like, um, what would be beneficial in the future is that we have guys that he can miss and they'll go get it right. wherever. But right now, all he's got to do is give these guys chances to catch the ball. That's right. I mean, and he's not giving anybody a Ma- chance. Martin couldn't even get a hand on the ball. That's like it. it was like, you know, it wasn't even one where he could dive to try. He it was like he held his hand out and it was so off that yeah. he was like, oh, that's way off. And that's been the M.O. for Martinez the last two years, I'd call it, is deep balls where it's got to be touched. He's not giving people chances to catch the ball. Right. And And I I think he's got to decide at some point, he's got to go, I've been doing this for two years. i got to make sure I give people a chance. Right. i got to. Like, he can't keep throwing it, you know, out out of bounds or over their heads and – and not giving ourselves a chance to make a play. Yeah, because I think it was Michael Severe had the, tw- the the stat that he started eleven of thirteen, and then finished five of fourteen. So like this game, yes. Huh. So like when it when it when it went, it really went for him. Yeah. And I don't know if it was his shoulder still bothering him or what. Uh, but so there you go. So now we're at halftime. It's the end of the first half, seventeen fourteen. The next big play, our boy who we bragged on. Last week, because we haven't talked about it enough, the missed Connor Cope field goal after a great drive was was unfortunate. You get the long run from Martinez was the chunk play. I actually thought there's a chance Martinez was gonna gonna yeah, he, scoot he, through. You know, it's funny with him too is he's uh, he's been running better. Yeah. Um, I still don't know that he feels comfortable after about 20 yards. Right. It looks like he just is like he doesn't know what it feels like to be. Running in the open because that felt like a player. Like God, you gotta, you gotta get it. You're like you could have scored. You remember when Marcus Mariota was yes. was out in the open? It was right. like he ran for seventy a lot. Well, or I mean, we've we've seen obviously our we've seen great quarterback. I mean, like if Eric Crouch got to that spot, it oh. was seven. Yeah. Even if Taylor Martinez, if Taylor Martinez had a lane, it was over. Yeah. It, it's they have a next gear that Martinez doesn't have, but Martinez is still. He's still, I think, he's a, a couple steps away from, you know, separating or making a move. He, he needs to, he needs to sometimes, with so the amount great. of times he runs the ball, he's, he's got to break one. He's got to make a big play. I mean, you got to score sometimes. He has a, he's had a bunch of, like, 20-yard runs. 20, 25-yard runs where he gets tackled and you kind of, you're pumped, but then you kind of say to yourself, should he have scored? Because and he, he kind of goes. Here's what he does. Yeah. He runs and he bursts. When he when he bursts, he bursts through. And about 15 to 20 yards, he looks to get tackled. Like he, right. not intentionally. You can feel him starting to get heavy and leaning to fall almost. So he's always kind of like right. tips forward instead of being like actually dr- dragging right. people. Or, I don't know if he. I know. I, I know this sounds weird. Like I don't know if he's thinking, I'm gonna go score. I don't see him looking comfortable. Like, guys that get in the open field that are like, I am scoring, I see him as like, oh, sh- crap, I'm in the open field. Yes. That's the difference. And I don't know if that's just a runner's mentality that I think it's just he doesn't look comfortable there right. to me right. right now. But that was a bit – so so you get the the this drive, you get it's a good drive, you get the Martinez chunk play, and then Nebraska gets stuffed in the red zone again, red zone again and here comes Connor Culp who misses a 32-yard field goal that would have tied the game at 17, and Culp had made nine straight field goals. Yeah, I'll give, which, I'll give Culp yeah, the bye if, because he's been good. If there's one guy I'm not going to complain about, it's it's Connor Culp, but, yeah. but it also doesn't render the miss irrelevant. Oh. 
I mean, it's an important miss. It, it, it hurt us. It hurt our momentum. Big. You could feel the air go out a little bit when we go, man, it's a lot of work we just did yes. and didn't get rewarded for it. So here then comes probably this is the biggest sequence of the game. Here comes the biggest sequence of the game that drew the ire of a lot of people, and I'm curious to kind of unpack it with you. The sequence to end the third quarter. Yeah. I think it's important to start with Nebraska gets Minnesota to fourth and three, and Minnesota decides to go for it. Phil Darius Payne makes a hell of a play, rushes, gets a pop. There. Feel the pain! Feel the Darius Payne! Bats it down at the line of scrimmage, and he's crunk, and you, everybody's crunk. Do you think they named him Phil Darius Payne because you want to feel I want to Darius's feel pain? Darius. <laughs> I love uh, – do you think – People, I mean, it's you got two. I love how I think someone wanted to name him Phil, someone into Darius. They're like, why don't we just combine it, man? I got a good idea. <laughs> Phil Darius. I love it. I love it. If he could ever be really good, that's a good name. It's a great Phil name. Darius Payne. But it's a hell of a play, right? I mean, whenever you get a fourth down stop, everyone's pumped. Payne bats it down. You know, every, yeah, everybody's. And we fired need to up. give the defense a little props because as much as, like, I don't think they had a great day. This these are still moments I think they've improved from last Casey year. Casey Rogers had a bat down on yeah, third and they're short. getting off the field more this year than last year. I think we always like to point out we sometimes get totally negative here. I like to bring it back some positives, but defense again keeping us in these ball games. Totally, totally, totally. All right, let's take a quick break from the podcast and talk to you guys about Runza. So you know, I've told you guys about the fact that you can custom order your Runza sandwiches, which is obviously a game changer. You can add anything within reason to a Runza sandwich. Different cheeses, maybe some fries, maybe some pickles, whatever. Since they all start out as an original Runza and are made to order, you can get creative. Well, I love getting tweets like this one from Joshua. He tweeted at me, tried the custom order tonight. Highly recommend you add ranch to the Runza with cheese. Hashtag Runza. Wow. Ranch? On a Runza? I mean, that sounds incredible. Good work, Joshua. I'm going to have to give that one a try. You need to get to Runza and make your own masterpiece just like Joshua did. And when you're there, you need to tell him your buddy, your pal, your partner, your podcast buddy, Nick Ba sent you. Runza makes it all better. And while we're here, let's talk about Pella windows and doors. I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. Let's, uh, let's, pull, up, uh, let's pull up Pella's website right now. Look at this. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five. Five different types of windows or doors by Pella have won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. I mean, that's some, that's that's incredible. And they achieve that in a couple of ways. You have the insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. You have types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. You have triple-pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace and within all that within all that one of the keys is proper installation which is key for windows and doors to perform at their best and you know the Pella experts are excellent at that bottom line energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable and Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency turn your window and door remodeling dreams into a reality with Pella check them out online PellaOmaha.com that's PellaOmaha.com back to the podcast so then here comes the offense with 37 seconds left in the third quarter going into the wind yeah first down Martinez misses a pretty open Austin Allen he wasn't wide open but he was open yeah second down Adrian Martinez misses, again, a pretty open Wandell Robinson. It isn't wide open, but he's open. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so you throw it, you come out throwing into the wind where you have 37 seconds left. And then you're going to go the other way and you have the win. Then on third down, Martinez gets sacked, fumbles, Minnesota recovers, takes over with good field position, Drives down to the goal line, gets it to fourth and goal from the one-yard line. Minnesota scores. Gophers up 24-14. And in all reality, enormous sequence that probably was the, the one that, that ended the game for Nebraska. Let's, so let's backtrack for a second. Sam McEwen asked Frost about that, that decision at the, end of the, at, at the end of the third quarter. Straight up asked him and said, hey, listen, you, had, you know, 
You're going into the wind. You could have ran out the clock, and then you can call those pass plays with the wind. What did you What did you think of that decision in the moment? So, so like a lot of people, you know, I, I a couple of our buddies were texting, you know, after yes. the game, pretty irate about that that sequence. And I actually personally didn't really think twice about it. Right. And I I know that's the right decision, Nick. The right decision is run it once, have the wind at your back. If you the, want to throw. You know, if you like want to throw. throw. Uh, Frost, he was aware of it, made the decision. We didn't think the wind was that big of a deal. Okay. So I guess in the moment, I, I actually wasn't that concerned about it in the moment. I, I was more concerned with the first play of the game, the Luke McCaffrey throw. Like that to me was like right. that hit my radar more than the three passes with the wind. Okay. I mean. You know what? You you can make that a big deal. To me, it wasn't like guys you, were open. They were open, and in, in, were, in Frost. Like, here's the point that, that that why it's not to me. It's like it wasn't like it was unthrowable in that win. They actually felt like it wasn't that big a deal. That's what I can't feel like I get a straight answer as to just like you wish you could have. It's a game you wish you were at Memorial Stadium or you were down on the sidelines to get a real. No, no doubt it was windy, but like. How windy was it? Not enough that they didn't. Th- they threw it three times, which means that they were like didn't matter to them. So and they missed most of their throws when it was behind them. Right. So I don't know. I mean, I think Nick, it's the wrong decision from a football strategy point. Yes. Every time. Right. That's right. But is it that big of a deal? Like, I don't consider it like that decision lost the game. Not completing the passes and fumbling lost you the game. I, I think I, I agree. I, I don't. I'm not ready to just like. Pick, pick that sequence and just rake Frost over the coals for it. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, again, I, I'm with you. Like, Unless we, the we, wind at the back of the pass rusher helped him. Get right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he could speed rush. The that guy, guy was a little bit fat. It's he like track. Nick, it's like the 100 meter. Is it an official sack or are we going to call it a wind, <laughs> a wind adjusted? A wind assisted? I think it's a wind assisted sack. You get a half sack. sack. Yeah. It, was a, it was a half sack because half of it went to the wind. Ben Hart's timing was a little bit off. <laughs> He didn't. He, he didn't, didn't take into account the win factor of that defensive. He didn't do it. End. He didn't do it. <laughs> but and it, like, guys were open. Guys were like, open. So, Nick, so I also I'm like, and we give up a sack fumble. Like it, it wasn't the wins problem. Like the sack fumble costs us that game, right? I yeah, mean, I, even I, if we punt it away, we make them go the whole length of the field. I just I don't know. I mean, guys were open. I mean. uh and but but I think I think what people are upset about, and I was going to get into this later on. I think I think one of the things people are, are upset about was like this was a microcosm of people's questioning of the game plan to begin with. Yes, that I think people felt like, why are you so pass happy on a day that it's cold? There is some wind, and you're playing a team that again was was atrocious in stopping the run. So I think some of it is like, this is just an example of the larger thing that people are, were upset with yeah. not going out and, and just running the ball right at a team that all season long had proven they can't really stop the run. Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense. I, you know, I, it's hard. Cause I think Frost said a lot of those passes they have are runs that have the pass option. Yes. And that's part of the offense. So I, I'm not, I don't. I'm never as critical about quite as about some of the like when and where you call things, but um, I don't know. I I just to me it's like it's just hard when you know we we just don't we don't seem to play winning football when it matters, right? And I get that people are upset about you know the win thing and that, but that's to me is that's not the big that's not a big deal in the the course of this game. I think that's like you said, that's more of them. They're on frost case right now. Right. And they're really analyzing everything he's doing. And that, that, you know, to me, it's like, you know, if the, the Patriots are doing that, they're not going to be like, Oh my God, Tom Brady, just, why would you throw it? Like I think we both, a bunch of different things should be true at once. The right. If, if you enroll, if football, one 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 the right thing to do is to, Run a play, run out the clock, and and go to the fourth quarter and have the win. Yeah. That's the right thing to do.
But that doesn't necessarily, as stupid as it sounds, make throwing it three straight yeah. times the, the 100% it's wrong more like, thing. It's more do. like a guideline than a rule. Like, there's no rule against you, you can't throw slightly against the wind for uh, three times if it's like yeah having the wind's good but that doesn't mean that like we cannot throw right, we that's have what, to run again again austin allen's open wandale's open adrian just missed him and it's not like you can't say like well did he miss it because of the wind it's like i don't know i saw a quarterback that missed a lot of guys he just missed him he missed like, him. so but there's but again i think i think people take that that moment and and they use it as their case in their point about indicting yeah. the play calling and the management and all that stuff where it's like if you get into the nuts and bolts of it I'm not I'm not just like ready to be like you know I'm not going to be 52 in- years from now I'm not going to be like smoking a cigar but like the worst management I've ever seen <laughs> you ever see the 2020 Minnesota Nebraska I game mean, <laughs> when, when, Ry- when Mike Riley threw on third at Illinois that was the one that, that we all lost that's bad that's the stuff that really you know even like the you know, Frost not running it once on the inside the Purdue last year. Or that one's a little bit more like Or or the the I thought the management at the end of the Colorado game in the year one. Yep. Like those those, those are things are more like higher on my list of like power rankings of yeah. bad management. Clock management is like where it's like you you're not running the time down versus wind management. Right. I'm a little less inclined to care about wind management when you're down it's almost like it doesn't ma- it doesn't matter as much because you're down right so i get it's better if the wind's unbearable do that if the wind's not unbearable it doesn't matter as much to me at least. yes but in all reality that was the biggest if you're looking at like every game kind of has like a defining biggest sequence this was the biggest yeah sequence. and then we get sack fumble i mean that sack that's, fumble then they score you know, Nebraska did a good job of, of holding up and getting it to fourth and one, and they still, you know, Ibrahim or whoever punches it in there. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, in the defense, once again, like, the difference is last year and the year before, they would just probably give it up. It, yeah. And now we, like, they we're making people earn it at least, even though they are still earning it. We're, we're getting better on the defensive side where we're making them earn it more. We're learning. The, I think – the team's getting better on defense. The coaches are getting a little bit better. I think that's all going the right direction. So, two more, two more big things to talk about. You have then for the next big thing. It's just like I had wrote that the, the, the what turned out to be the final Nebraska offensive possession. It's like eighty things in this. So, Nebraska finally catches a break where they get stopped on third down with a little under six minutes left. Connor Culp comes out, kicks a field goal, which he makes, but Minnesota jumps off sides, yeah. which then gives Nebraska a first down to keep the drive alive, down 24-14. to 14. Martinez then scores a touchdown, running the football on third and eight, but a holding call on Ethan Piper erases the touchdown and backs Nebraska up 10 yards. So it could have been 24-21 with about five minutes left. Instead, Nebraska has to settle for a field goal. So it's 24-17 to with about five minutes left. Was there anything within that whole, like... If you watch it, it's a terrible call. I it mean, seemed like it's it, not it, a hold. I rewound it twice and I was like, I'm like, where's the hold? You're going to call that, and it wasn't even a direct, like, the guy didn't have a chance to make the play. Right, right. It was on the other side of the of the line, and our guy literally just pivoted and, pr- like, pushed him down, did not tackle him. Right. And they throw a flag on an insignificant, you know, non-hold on the other side of the line and costs us not only points, but time. That's, that's a big you thing. You know? Like, we, we lose time, and then you start questioning, should we have taken the field goal? And right. I, I was go, thinking about that. And I, like, I, I thought through and I thought, no, if you're within scoring distance, I think I think you want to go for that score. And we, we did that, but then we, they call a, a bogus hold. And so that's, four, so that's four and four, Nick, that we can chalk up to refs. That's eight points. Right. What do we lose by? Yeah, seven points. Seven points. Right. I, mean, I mean, that's one where it's like, as, as bad as this game was, it's also you go – Man, that's just that's bad breaks. It's too. just nuts though how Nebraska always is on the wrong side of these these break. You know what I mean? Like we're not good enough to not to just not have 
any breaks go against us. Because like we still are walking the line too much. They you know? flashed this graphic up. The most lo- the Power Five schools since 2018, which was year year one of Scott Frost. Most losses by one score. Nebraska only trails North Carolina. North Carolina's lost 13 games by one score or less. Nebraska's now lost 12. And so it's nuts. But uh, but I'm with you. I was thinking like, oh, did they? should they have? In all reality, was it better if the guy didn't jump off sides and they had the field goal and so they had well, six minutes left? And uh, yeah. I mean, I don't know. You, you got to get seven. You got to get gotta, three. Right. So you got to get 10 points either way. I think when you're that close to getting seven, you got to go for seven because then you can try to get the three from farther out. Well, and what proves to be the biggest issue, or not the biggest issue, what ends up being the makes the whole conversation irrelevant, is what happens on the final sequence of my my ten biggest sequences or moments of the game, which was the final drive for Minnesota. Yeah. You and I have. I mean, I don't think it's to me. It's undeniable that side of the ball has improved. I think it's undeniable that if you go just through the season like we did, Nebraska is good. The defense is good enough against Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Defense is good enough against Iowa. The defense was good enough against, uh, obviously, good good enough against Purdue. I think you could say they were they won the game for Penn State, and I think they were good enough in this game against Minnesota. But in this moment, this was as bad as Nebraska's defense has been in a big moment yeah. the entire year. I thought it was a pretty gutsy call to start the drive with a play-action pass. Good play. And the guy makes a great catch, so they get one first down. And then they pick up another first down on the ground with a long run from Ibrahim that gets the ball all the way down to the 23-yard line. I'm not sure exactly what happened there. But then with one minute and 53 seconds left after Nebraska had had to burn a few timeouts, it's third and seven, Minnesota – has a nice cutback and can picks up a third and seven on the ground, gets the ball all the way inside the five yard line, and Ibrahim slides. Ball game. So Minnesota's final drive started with four minutes and forty two seconds left. Nebraska had all three timeouts. Nebraska never gets the ball back. Well, I'll, I'll give them this. You know, if you looked at their offensive, uh, their offense versus our defense, I felt like it was pretty much. You know, we they had some good moments. We had some good moments throughout the game. Um, I thought they they called they called a nice last sequence. I mean, they it, they out coached now played us that last sequence more clearly than anything else in the game. I thought the rest of the game was pretty back and forth, pretty even. Right. And really, it was that last sequence that they they trumped us. I felt well, like. And again, it's hard, and you would know that. I mean, the time of possession again. They were. Minnesota had the ball for 11 more minutes in the game. And the one thing you and I were talking is like, you got to tip your cap to PJ Fleck. And it was clear that they went into this game and said, we're not ever going to snap the ball with more than like five or seven seconds on the play clock. And even on that final drive, they were working that bitch down to one second every time. I I actually, here's... Here's something I I, I, I don't want to – I hate having to compliment TJ Fleck, P.J. Fleck too much, but that's exactly how I would like to run my four-minute offense. Yes. I'm the type of guy that – I don't want to run it down to six seconds and snap it. I want to run it down to one yes. second because, you know what, if you have an eight-play drive and instead of snapping it seven, okay, that's 50-some seconds. Yes. That's you know, a whole minute. You damn can, near. You can, every five seconds you can extra do, that's that last minute of the game you don't have to deal with. And they did that not for the four-minute offense. They did it for the whole game. Smart. And, and so, yeah, and, and I actually like it in the first half. They, were, they walked the line too much where they had to call three timeouts because right. they almost were delayed the, the game. Right. And they had a couple delay games. I mean, they were pushing it so bad they were costing themselves penalties, which drives people crazy. But I actually liked it because they're like, "Look, we're gonna we're gonna make this a shorter game, and we're not gonna ki- let their their offense on the field." And it, it was really smart. I I think that's something that all coaches could learn from is that type of clock management. Totally agree. I thought. I mean, you got to you got to acknowledge that. How can you not? I, I mean, so, it's Minnesota. I don't want to compliment them too much, right. but I'm going to when I see something I like. So there you go. Ball game, twenty four seventeen. Minnesota wins. Few quick comments before we get to the LFS takeaway and get out of here. 
because we got a Friday football game to recap. How about that? I kind of like this. It's going to sneak up on us before we're even ready for it. I'm, I mean, I know a lot of people are like, 11 a.m. kicks all year. I'm like, hell yeah. I, I like, I don't, anymore, I, I want to. Early I, game. This is a 3 o'clock, though. 3 o'clock, but it's Friday. I know me. I'm great. all about it. Yeah, it's going to be hey, fantastic. Hey, no work Friday, huh? I know, right? <laughs> so we're all not working Friday, right? Is no one's agreement? working. Good. But a couple of quick comments. I mean, we, we've talked about it, but it bears repeating. Minnesota's defense is one of the worst in the country. Mm-hmm. They hadn't played in three weeks. They were giving up 35 points per game, and Nebraska scored 17 fucking points. Like that's I, Nick, that's the, been our the MO. headline. If if you're going to Barnes and Noble and you're trying to buy the book on the 2020 season, the, the headline is what the hell happened to this offense? Not that it was great last year, but every it's, way it's you better sh- than last year, right? That's to, I think I think statistically it's not. It's not. Well, we were saying, like, Sam McEwen had the nugget that this is yards per play, which, I mean, sometimes you can get into, you can get in the weeds too much of, like, stats. But, like, yards per play is, like, a decent – yards per play, this offense is trending towards being the worst Nebraska offense since 2009. So, does that – is that only in Big Ten – like, if we did only Big Ten play, what, I mean, because I, I don't know what we scored against last year. I mean, what we – what we got for yards against like Northern our, Illinois. Yeah, you know, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I, I mean, I think it's. Do you feel like this offense is better than last year? Um, I don't know. I don't know if they are. I'm not sure that they are. I think. I don't think it is because Mills, last year they Mills had, seemed to be more of a factor by the end of last year. And I thought Mills was better last year. I thought JD JD Spielman, they yeah. had JD Spielman, and then like. I, I don't know. I think I think it's debatable. It's tough. I don't know. That, but so it's just it's maddening, it, and and we're gonna have a lot of we're gonna have a, a long off season to dissect and analyze and and kind of scour through a lot of the head scratching things. But it's like this. We touched on it a little bit, but, but this staff's inability to recruit or develop in three years just. They haven't been able to recruit or develop one elite weapon offensively other than Wandale. And it's and it's not like so for as much as I love Wandale, Wandale isn't like gonna gonna put you over the top. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Wandale's a Robin, he's not a Batman, you know? Like and th- that's the thing that if you when Frost took over, if you would have told me that like, yeah, for three years they're 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 not gonna have one single elite offensive player that they're gonna recruit and develop, it's maddening. I mean it, it's it's unbelievable. You think about if you start writing down who have in since Frost's time here, who have been the best offensive players. Two Lord, of them, Stanley Morgan and Zigbo, and the, you and then you'd maybe throw JD in there. Yeah, JD. Yeah. So so three basically, if you the three best offensive weapons have been guys that they inherited. Yeah, it's been it's been Wandale and nobody else is really what you'd call. It's, what call has happened the, the last two years? Well, we're, let's say we only looked the last two years. It's been Wandale, no one else. And that's a problem. What? It's like, what has happened with the the running backs is a travesty. And what has happened with the wide receivers is a travesty. Where it's like, you just go from Greg Bell to Maurice Washington to Ramir Johnson to Ronald Tompkins to Marvin Scott to Dedrick Mills. It's like, none of those guys. Like, stop telling me Dedrick Mills is a huge difference maker. Stop it. We've all, we've all been, we've all watched Nebraska football for our entire lives. We all know what a real difference maker at running back looks like. Stop trying to tell me this so, guy's a so, real difference maker at running back. So the longest the longest run of the season came from our quarterback, Luke McCaffrey. The, I'm uh, pretty the, sure. Yeah. I think I don't know that a running back has ran for over twenty yards. I can't think of a single Think about that, Nick. Right. Well, someone said we haven't had a running back hundred yard rusher. Did Mills get a hundred last I don't Nope. So again, stop because you know everybody keeps like we got to get Mills. It's like I get it. Like yeah, Mills is the best he's on been the team. He's been hurt, but it's like stop, stop telling. I've seen Amir Abdullah. I've seen Lawrence Phillips. I've seen Amon Green. I've seen Mike Rozier. I've seen Rex Burkhead. Those are real running backs. This isn't a real running back. Okay, like and when I say real, I mean like a real elite first team All Conference. Oh like, no, no, not when that. You, I mean when you are when you are lining up, you're like that dude is a big-time player. I, I think he can be effective, and you know, we saw him against last year against Wisconsin. He, he, he showed signs of being effective, 
Um, he's fine. But he's, like he's, he struggled to even play his first handful of games. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. But we, we can't get anybody to run for over 20 yards. Like, where's the depth? Where's where's any of these young guys? I mean, have I've already given this analogy. If I have, I will just do it again. It's like we've all been in college and you have your 8 a.m. English 120 class, and because you're in college and you're a guy and you're an idiot, you whatever girls in that classroom, you're gonna you're gonna elevate that. You're like, tell you what, 11, Stacy over there, girl's pretty hot. It's like, well, she's hot within the context of English 120 at 8 a.m. But then you go like out to a big party and you're like, wait, no, she's actually no. Like, so don't don't get caught in your bubble. I'm talking to U.S. fans. Don't get caught in your bubble and think Dedrick Mills is anything other than just a very average player. Yeah. And what's scary is he's average, and they can't. None of the other dudes behind him can even like get on the field. That that's what I'm surprised. I mean, some of those guys are young, but running back's a spot that, man, like man, Aaron Green, Braylon Hurd, Amir Abdullah, Rex Burkhead, you saw it immediately when those guys... Yeah. I mean, none of these guys are even close to as good as Aaron Green or Braylon Hurd to me. Yeah, that's tough. They're not... So, I know I went on a tangent there, but it's just like this offense, it's just... It's like, wow. Yeah, here's the hard part. Is we, we thought it was all... You know, receiver was the issue, which we thought was solved to some degree in the offseason. And what was hard is it was actually a slight regression because the... The young guys are too young. The guys we thought they were going to come in have not shown up, and uh, yeah, it's 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 just been hard, man. It's been hard that it, it's hard to judge anything when you, when it's like you thought the other certain things were going to be in place. Now they're not here, so you go, how much should you give that as a buy, and how much should be like, well, yeah, it's what we are. Right. I know. And so then the next thing I wrote down quick was like, unfortunately. Adrian Martinez had taken, I thought, two big steps forward against Iowa and Purdue. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, again, this was a big, giant step back where it kind of felt like it was a lot of the same stuff that had held Adrian back over the course of his sophomore year and a lot of this year. Missed He, he missed some open guys. Um, accuracy had been good, and he wasn't accurate on, on Saturday. Wasn't as accurate. He... I don't think he – I think he's playing with decent poise. Um, but he, he still – you know what? He needs to make this team win. Like what we need from this quarterback is to ele- get these other guys to elevate. you right. got to make everybody better. And, and nobody's talking about that right now. Right. Like nobody's talking about if you're the QB, you're supposed to be our guy. You're supposed to make everybody better. You're supposed to make it happen. And make us win, and you know that that's we're not. We're just right. still like it, we can win one, and we're going to lose one. Like we cannot. We got to get over this hump of like this inconsistency, which is we're good enough to win, and we're good enough to think every game we're supposed to win, and then we find a way to lose. Like we need to find that next place where the games we should win, we're winning, and yeah, if the games we're not supposed to win. We don't. It doesn't matter. But the games that we do still think we're supposed to win, like this one, right. we got to win. Yeah. It, the, the more so than anything, the, the quarterback position is a position of great influence on everybody and everything on your team. And when when your quarterback isn't right and your quarterback isn't playing great and your quarterback's a little inconsistent, like there's a domino effect to that. And I think you do see that. Where if you believe in your quarterback and you and he makes plays, you know you 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 just know okay I got I got to run this route right because I know he's going to put it on me. Well, he didn't. Well, as a you know like I gotta I I gotta give Martinez time here because I know if I give him that extra second, he's going to put it on. Like well, he didn't. You know, and and same thing for the defense where it's just like there's just there's just a domino effect and it's just unfortunate because it felt like there was this resurgence of Martinez and he had taken two big steps forward, but unfortunately Saturday was another. Another step back, and so, uh, you know, I think that quarterback spot remains a gigantic question mark now heading into the offseason. Um, we've already touched on play calling. Minnesota had been bad against the run. Nebraska was was uh, came out pass happy. And then I, I think, again, we touched on it, but it re- bears repeating. For as much as you, like, you can't blame the defense for much this year. And... Yeah. 
they like they've had to carry the offense. They like I just, I don't know, I, I I look at that side of the ball and whether it's, you know, trust your eyes, trust what you're seeing, like, this offense is averaging, what, like 22 points per game, they're averaging like a, a, a little under six points uh, for the second half on average, like, they're not getting a lot of help. Yeah. They're not getting a lot of help. Uh, and so, uh, like, let, let, we'll, because I have one more thing, but then we'll, let's get into the, to the Alifest takeaway here, because, uh, let me tell you. When I had my Zoom call with Tom Izzo, oh, it was it was humming, baby. It was humming. Tom Izzo's face wasn't pixelated. It wasn't. It, it was perfect because I got the best internet in the business. Izzo, it's Izzo, it's Coach Izzo, but it's Aloe, baby, and it's the uh, it's the access to the all fiber network in Lincoln and across the state, second to none. I tell you how much I love the internet. It's incredible. Also, the TV is fantastic. Um, I just I love the fact that I can be downloading a game, you know, doing a, a a Zoom with Tom Izzo. My wife can be streaming something. My daughter can be streaming something, and literally everything is uh, humming at uh, at the highest of high speeds. Working from home never been more important. Make the switch. Go to allofiber.com, allofiber.com, and tell them Nick Voss sent you. So, I mean, it's just it's it's just a lot of the same stuff, man. Right, like it's just a lot it's of we're we're too close. It's hard because we're we're too close to be to be completely defeated, but we're we haven't like we've been on that doorstep for a full year now, which just seems too long. Right. I mean, in twelve now twelve in frost time here, twelve losses by one score. And those are the ones. Those are the ones that, like, if they're going to do some soul searching, it's got to be that. Figure that that out. It's just a lot of the same. Bad offense, terrible timing for mistakes. Again, we've all said, like, a lot of mistakes and turnovers aren't created equal. Like, it always seems like the worst possible time for these mistakes. They make it inconsistent quarterback play. Defense can't get off the field on third down. Uh, how about the fact that Nebraska's offense didn't convert a single third down in the second half? That's, they were that's over. It. Situational football. Bad special teams. I mean, again, all the all the things that have held Nebraska back were the past few years were on full display again. Yeah. And again, the big takeaway is I think what we said at the top. Like the circumstances heading into this game and the fork in the road of if you win this game, the path it sets you down and the good the good parts of that. Being able to win two games in a row, you, you now have a chance with this championship weekend to win a third game. You get into a bowl. You maybe you could even you could really build some momentum in the offseason. But you lose that game, and it sends you down this other path where it feels like, depending on how this game against Rutgers unfolds, this could be as bleak and bad vibes of an offseason as this program's had in a long time. Yeah, which yeah. is well, it's going to be tough too. You know. Uh, Early signing days on, I think Wednesday. Um, yes. yes. It's, it's, it sounds like our class is pretty much. It was a smaller class. I think it's pretty much set. And I think the guy. There's a lot of early enrollees, which is something we'll talk about later. Um, but you know, it's also it's, it's the next year in the year. Like it's always the next year's recruiting class that this is just as important for. I mean, the guys that are coming, I think, are pretty much coming win or lose with Rutgers. Um, maybe some fringe recruits you can still get. But I mean, next year's really like to get the guys we want in the future. You can't be losing, right? You know, the 2022 class and the 2023 class. I mean, that's the stuff that if we don't get better in a hurry, we're gonna be recruiting average to below average guys, and then you're gonna be the below average team. You know, like God, it just. I mean, our recruiting class this year is like you know it's top it's twenty, top twenty five, maybe twenty two or something like Some, that. Yeah, or I mean, like that like right in line where we need to be. Uh, maybe we could do a little bit better eventually, but they got to win. To they get better, better have some instant impact guys. You know, they got that tight end from Council Bluffs that he looks like a real one. He actually looks like a real one that I'm. I, I really don't. I'm trying not to ever believe the hype anymore. Well, because think about it. what if someone would have told you before the season that Omar Manning wouldn't catch a single pass. I would. I mean, he was on again. He was penciled there. in thousand yard season, hundred catches. 
You sat there. I sat here before the season started. And remember, I gave my 10 most important Huskers. He was like, number two. He was like, <laughs> yeah, number two or number three. And he didn't catch a single pass. And, and that's the thing that we as fans do. Like, Mills is all Big 12. Manning's going to solve our receiver problem. This guy from Miami is going to come in and be right. our slot receiver. Blah, blah, blah. You know, but one guy doesn't play. One guy leaves. Uh, one guy's hurt. Right. And you go, oh, you can't count on those things. You can only count on the things that are there every day and dependable. And it's like, okay, like then you go around, you go, what's the, what's going to be there? Well, Luke and Adrian are there. Uh, you know. That's what's scary. I mean, Stilly's there. Uh, like, those are the, that's your team. You have to go, who's our team? The guys that we've seen play and we know are going to be there. Right. And you think about. Now, hopefully they can find maybe an instant impact pass rusher, maybe get some other weapons in there, a running back or a wide receiver. But, like, the reality is history probably tells us that, like, this same group is going to have to be the group that yeah. elevates. I, you know I, what I mean? I like, literally think there's two guys, maybe the running back coming in who's a freshman, I think he could potentially play. I'm not saying you'll change your offense. He could maybe play. The tight end is the number one tight end in the country. Right. Which is huge – you know, catch rate. He, he looks. The dude looks like he can play. He's the only guy I think that you could put it in and say, okay, hybrid tight end, block a little bit, and I'm not expecting you to do much, but go run some routes down the field. We'll throw it out. I already to saw him. there was a quote from him, I think, in the World Herald where he was like, he basically already, he's like, I'm better than all those guys. Like, he basically already said, like, I, I, I'm I, better than all those guys. I think he says, he, I, I read it. He, was, he said it, something about competing. He says, I think I can be better than all those guys. Yeah. Which, it sounds cocky. I, I don't think he probably said it that cocky, but I think that's probably true. Let's hope so. I mean, I just from watching the kid, like the kid looks like he can play, and yeah. he's he's about the only guy I see coming in. I'm like, okay, what's going to change? <sighs> Maybe that guy. And everybody else, it's like our team is the they team need you to... saw this year. Yep. And that's don't don't count on anybody else. Yeah, you can't sit here and be like, well, this guy's going to be the answer at this or this. So, you know, Xavier Betts needs to become yeah. – you know, he needs Your to become is, great. Xavier Betts is a guy that's there and in place. Right. If he gets hope. better, you can count on him probably getting better and being there. But these other guys, if they've never played, I wouldn't put your expectations on them. Which is uh, – <laughs> makes for a, an interesting feeling internally heading into next year. Yeah. So there you go. I'm ex- I'm 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 excited to see uh you know if this group can bounce back Friday against Rutgers. Uh, they need to. They got to win play. this game. I mean, you they gotta need to win big too. Go go play well and just let's end this season on some semblance of a good. What we can't note. have is no Vedral play and beat us. That would be like the that would be brutal. crown jewel of misery. <laughs> that <laughs> that would be, if that'd be the if crown that's jewel. That's how it all ends with Noah Vedral. Ending your season in a in spectacular fashion. I think you'd, everybody would just be like, uh, you wouldn't know what to do. Oh, God. Okay. Well, that'll do it for the recap pod. We'll be back. We'll record on a Saturday. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll watch the game on Friday. We'll sleep on it, and we'll record on Saturday. So be looking out for another recap pod uh, next Saturday. Until then, uh, stock up on the booze because uh, win or lose, you got some drinking to do to try and uh, cope with some of the emotions of what it's like to be a Husker fan now. All right. Peace. All right, my thanks to Pella. If you're thinking about a new window or a new door, now is the time. Check them out online on the web at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. And uh, my thanks to my good friends at Runza. Best fries on the planet. Great burgers. Cheese Runza. Delicious. The food is simply fantastic. Runza makes it all better. A Huda Media Production.